Welcome to WDFG, Dear Final Girl Radio, the advice and horror podcast where life problems have an answer. Now here are your hosts, Lori and Tamara. Hey there, Final Girl. Hello, Final Girl. How are you? Oh, I am doing well, doing well. It's uh, It's been a wild couple of weeks, but... Um, you know, settling in. I've had a um, change at work, and so um, been given with a big new um, uh, set of problems to figure out. New new set of puzzles to work through. Well, I'm going to say what you're not saying, which is that you got a promotion. <laughs> Thank I'm gonna, you. I'm going to humble brag on your your behalf. Uh, um, that is wonderful. That is wonderful and very well deserved. Uh, if if uh, if the listeners out there are so inclined and you want to check out technologyadvice.com, that is uh, that is the kingdom that or the queendom. Well, uh, actually, that, that's the website that I had been working on for the last four or five years. And so now I'm on uh, techrepublic.com. Okay. It's owned by the same company, still at the same company at Technology Advice, but um, we acquired Tech Republic about six months ago and um, the editor-in-chief left um, to go work for a vendor. Um, and so now I'm kind of managing Tech Republic right now, managing editor over at Tech Republic. We literally just talked about that before the podcast, but I think it now finally just clicked. (laughs) (laughs) I finally, I'm understanding the, you know, the relationship between the two and that you're managing, you are, you are managing editor, editor of this separate but related site. Correct. Correct. Yes. Um, And so, you know, the there's a lot going on there, a lot of uh, people changes, but also um, we're migrating the site from a like, God, I'm just just dive in for my nerdiness. Um, we're migrating the site from a like custom uh, content management system that allowed the editors and writers to put the um, articles up on the web. Uh, and we're moving over to WordPress, which is really great for like oh. extensibility. I love WordPress. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, but the custom system had been built out over 20 years. And so trying to build all of the functionality that was there before is a little bit of a mess. Um, So anyways, uh, that's my work life. But Lori is like now thought leader, Lori, not just in horror, but in uh, healthcare and policy, right? I guess I suppose. Look how bit look, you know what what we're like, what this is so reminding me of? right now is that one um that one skit in a uh, um amy schumer called compliments and mm-hmm. it's these women these women who are 
just refusing one another's compliments uh, to each other, like in the most hilarious, offensive way that you can imagine. And then at the very end of the skit, another one of their friends comes up, they give her a compliment and she simply says, thank you. And basically everybody's heads explode, like (laughs) shoot themselves and set themselves on fire because nobody can deal with (laughs) somebody just saying, thank you. Thank you. Well, thank you. Yeah. So yeah, my yeah my uh, my my day job is in the healthcare world, and I'm getting to do some cool new things, some speaking, and in addition to the writing, and just trying to keep that into balance because I love the solace of writing more than anything. <laughs> you know, that's that's what I need to be doing, and and that is what I do. Um, but you know, we, you know, you just you get opportunities to do to do other things that are cool, and as long as it still feels like it's in balance, then yeah, I'm I'm down for it. Yeah, yeah, I I feel that it. completely. Yeah. Um, speaking of work, <laughs> speaking of, of workplace drama. Um, we uh, we don't have uh, we don't have a letter this time. It is it is it is like our last episode. Um, it's a it's a part two, if you will. The last episode um, we just watched Silence of the Lambs, kind of as a in part as a response to um, the Great Resignation, and um, uh, I I had just remember kind of thinking thinking about Clarice Starling's character in a different way. And it's like, if she was real, if she was actually a real person and she were like in the FBI right now, like, would she finally say enough is enough? And uh, uh, we thought, well, we want to follow that arc um, yeah. through to the film Hannibal. Um, and so that's what we watched. And that's, that's, uh, that's one of the things that we'll be talking about. Yeah, I've got a, mm, I've got some thoughts about this. Dude, just start laying it out, girl. I'm ready. I want to hear. Okay, so this this thought is really about the very end of the movie, um, but would you would you give up your hand for your job? <laughs> um. No. <laughs> I mean, I need my hands to be able to do my job, right? But uh, like to to type, I guess I don't need my hands to like tell other people to type, which is <laughs> a lot of what I do. No. I don't um, need my hands to delegate. I just, well, you know, I guess even that, how do you deliver commands or whatever? But no, so, so, but, but tell me more about that. Cause when you say, would you give up your hand for your job? Well, it was Hannibal that gave up his hand. Right. Um, what's his job? Well, okay. So, but in that exchange, uh, Hannibal is like, would you, like, are you going to see this through? Are you going to, um, like, you're not going to give up, are you? And Clarice just kind of looks at him because he, he's he got her trapped. She's got him trapped with the handcuffs. And he pulls out the big old meat cleaver. And he says, basically, like, 
Um, he says, oh, sorry, somebody just entered my front door. Um, he says, uh, you know, you, um, he basically gives her an out. And I forget what exactly he says at that moment, but he gives her an out. Like, would you let me go? Would you give me the time to run? And she says, no, like she's, she would stay with it. She would have, um, even though she knows that he's about to chop off one of their hands, I thought it was going to be hers because. Yeah. Yeah. We all do. We all think that. And then, oh my. (laughs) And then his thing is like, well, it's me. I'm trying to get away. So, or at least that's the, the thought that I imposed, I projected on him was that, oh, well, he actually is a nice guy, whatever. Um, would rather hurt himself than hurt Clarice. So, but to me, that means that Clarice is willing to take that risk. Like she is so in with the FBI that she is willing to give up her hand to keep her job. Yeah, 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 that's Epps. Yeah, or she's at least willing to give up her hand to do her to do her to do her duty, which she right. continues to see as mm. her duty, um, even though she's you know she, at, at the duty. time she's she's suspended. Like her duty, her duty, <laughs> um, you know, supersedes whatever her status. You know, what whatever her status with the FBI is no matter, you know, how poorly things have gone and how she's gotten screwed. You know, she just, she has this, she has this abiding sense of, of duty. And, you know, Hannibal committed, this is, and I've seen this movie many times, but it's the first time that um, I remember thinking like, what he had committed, what he had committed to, what he had committed her to, um, because there's a line where he says, you know, you know, I need to come out of retirement and rejoin public life. Well, it's like, well, you, you don't have to, <laughs> you know, you've, <laughs> you've, uh, you've done a really good job of evading, uh, uh, law enforcement and capture for 10 years. Mm-hmm. And there's every indication that he could have continued uh, successfully doing so. Um, I mean, even at the end, I mean, you, I mean, obviously there's, there's a chain of events that are set into motion and he, but he's, he has put, he's put himself on the radar and there's only a very few endings that are, that are even possible. Um, you know, his death, her death, his capture, they both die. I mean, there, there's no good ending. There's, there's no good endings here. I mean, there is the possibility, which is actually what happens that he escapes again, you know, he escapes again. Um, so it's interesting this, you know, of course, I mean, this is one of the main things about these films is just the relationship that those two have. Yeah, yeah. And the 
both protective and uh, mutually destructive uh, relationship and how that really um, evolves uh, because of their closeness. Um, but I, there are very few things in my life that I would give up my hand for. And those definitely don't involve my job. Like, sorry, I can get a new job, you know? Right. 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 I mean, it's, it's, you know, people you love, you know, um, in danger right. where you're putting themselves in, in harm's way to protect them, things like that. And, you know, I mean, there, there is this, one of the themes we started in the other, in the, in the prior episode was, I don't know, I can't recall now how much we talked about it, but it's, talk about toxic workplace environment. <laughs> you know, I mean, these, these, these people in the, in the FBI and the Department of Justice, I mean, they want, they want to ruin her. You know, they want her to go down. Um, and, you know, even then, she, it's her, her just sense of responsibility. And, and, and this is such a, like, one of the things that Hannibal says toward the end is, you know, what are you going to do now that everything you've ever loved has been taken from you? And one of those things being her job. You know, her commitment to to the FBI as a place where she can um, she can get the bad guys and she can she can she can be an active part of the 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 fight of good versus evil. She can be on the right side of that. And she can have a hand in it. Um, <clears throat> And not sure where I'm going with that, but just. Yeah, I mean, the. The. That's what I guess. OK, so that's part of why we like fictions like this, you know, why we like stories like this, because the stakes are so high for Clarice. We've already had it set up in a previous movie, how high the stakes are for her, because this is not just her job, right? This is her identity. This is her yes. connection to her now dead father. This is a whole host of things that like, if she doesn't succeed in being the good guy, then she's going to let her father down and there's no way that she can get around that. And so we've got this like character arc who is, yeah, it's, it's not like uh Krenler, right? Ray Liotta is just so great. This, uh, uh so great in this. Oh my God. Um, he's so sleazy. Oh God. He's uh, so sleazy. Ugh. <laughs> Um, like Ray Liotta, his character, he's like, you know, self-serving, uh, narcissistic guy, right? 
uh, doing the things for, you know, the money and the power and all of that, right? Um, playing the political game and having that sort of as the foil for um, for Clarice or one of the foils for Clarice is really interesting, I think, because she can hate him and we feel like she's justified in hating him for everything that he is. Um, so this, so then it kind of backs up her, this isn't just a job. This is who I am. Look at what these people like Krenler, who this is just a job. Look what they turn out like. If I treat it like just a job, then I could be bought. I could be, uh, you know, sleazy. Um, and so I think that that's really interesting. Um, there's another thing that I think is interesting about the setup of these two stories, which is the triangulation. Um, not in like the psychological uh, family interaction, triangulation, but maybe sort of, um, the fact that in Silence of the Lambs, there's Clarice, Lecter, and Buffalo Bill. Buffalo Bill? Yes. Yeah. And then now it's Clarice, Lecter, and Werner. Verger? Verger, yeah, Mason Verger. Yeah. Um, so, the those three and how they interact like Lecter is helping Clarice but feeding off of her uh in order for to help Clarice get Bill this time Verger is helping Clarice and sort of feeding off of her to get Lecter. So it's like, it's the opposite, but she's the pawn in everybody's game. And it just, it's really interesting to me how that was set up in, in this one, as opposed to the, the previous version. So. Yeah. And one, you know, one point that, that, that came to mind when you were talking about like, okay, you've got, you've got, um, in, in the FBI and in the Department of Justice, these people who are supposed to be like the guardians, they're supposed to be mm -hmm. the good guys and, and good, good girls, whatever, and they're not. And I couldn't help but think about um, the, the, um, like the career government service people who stayed during the Trump administration. And it was basically like, we have to stay here. So this doesn't get like burned to the ground. <laughs> like yep. we've got, we are the, you know, there are, there were people who, you know, felt like we are the only, we are the only things left standing between <laughs> this man <laughs> And just, you know, a bunch of real potentially terrible outcomes. Obviously, you can glean from my comments where my politics lie, but you know, <laughs> well, I think, I that, think, I think that, that ship has sailed uh, <laughs> on this podcast. I think. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> um, I think that the person that is 
that sort of embodies that for me in this movie is Jeffrey the mailboy. He and Clarice have this whole conversation about things disappear around here little by little. And people take the pieces of Lecter's file and sell them online, uh, which also sort of ties into Barney. Yeah, and the and the cocaine that disappears little by little. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And Clarice kind of rolls her eyes at it, but Jeffrey to me seems to be like the guy who, like, I'm gonna stay there and be the mailboy and deliver my things. And like these things are kind of interesting, but they're not like they're not my reason for being, and uh, they're not enough to me to like risk my job to sell them. Right. And we know and we know these things are happening because I thought like I wasn't I didn't take it so much that she rolled her eyes. It was just that they exchanged. She gave him a look and it was a look of knowing, but it's sort Mm -hmm. of like, yeah, we don't need to kind of talk about this, (laughs) you know, like (laughs) but we all know we all know. And, you know, it, it, it. you know, relating it to how all of our experiences and our jobs, how many of us have been in a situation at work where, where you felt like if this thing happens, I'm out of here. Or if they do this to this person, I'm like, we all need to like stand up and protest and like, make sure this person who hasn't done anything, doesn't, you know, doesn't, doesn't get retaliated against, you know, and then like, Eh, you stay. I mean, it, you know, it, it, you stay until you don't. And right. then the reason that you don't could be um, that something happened that you just could no longer be in that place anymore. Or, you know, you simply move on to something else or any number of reasons, you know, but we, we've all had these situations at work and we're not even, you know, like I, I've never worked for the Justice Department. So the stakes were a lot lower and everything I've ever done, but, you know, you just, you, you learn to uh, uh, just live with a lot of what you see. Right. Because you can't so, change it. I've got a, yes. And that, that I think ties into, so Lecter's in Florence and he's like killed, we can assume he killed the librarian predecessor so that he could get this job. And then at some point he says to Clarice, I guess I I need to come back into public life. It's, it's time for me to come back, but he's living a very public life. It's under an assumed name, but he's like giving lectures on uh, Dante and um, like Dante's Inferno, which is just great. Um, you know, he's living sort of that, uh, uber intellectual academic dream where he's like, it appears that he's like actually living in the library, right? Because he comes and meets, uh, Patsy, (laughs) we'll get to his name in a minute. Um, well, he, he meets Patsy like in his 
PJs. Yep, his little and, nice silk pajamas. Yep. Mm-hmm. I, assume, um, I assume they're silk. I don't think he would be wearing sateen. Oh. Or gosh. you know, they've got to be silk. Could you even imagine? Oh. No. <laughs> got him at Walmart. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the uh, Italian version of Walmart. Um, yeah. Uh, and so. I don't know. I think that that's that in some sense, like, obviously what he's saying is like, I want to play games with the cops again. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's a really great way to put it. Yeah. Yeah. There's a certain kind of thing that I want to do again. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. And I, I have to wondered, like, was he and I read the novel. So if I, if I had remembered um, uh, details about the novel, I could probably answer this question. But was he was he El Mostro? So part of the backstory of, of Potsy is that Pot, there, there's a serial killer at large there or there's some sort of killer there at large there in Florence. And Potsy has been taken off that case um to do this lesser case of a missing person which Lecter is you know you know is sure to like call (laughs) call out you know uh, that's part of their cat and mouse um right you know Lecter's cat and mouse with Potsy that he just he's he's pretty he's he's pretty harsh on the guy (laughs) um that's putting it mildly given what happens later yeah Um, yeah but yeah, I wondered, like, was Lecter also like, like that killer? Was he also like El Mastro? And I just don't remember from the novel. You know, I have no idea. I remember reading the novel a long time ago, but um, that that little piece, I mean, it makes sense, right? And I think that maybe that's the, um, what we're supposed to assume from the introduction of the that just like introduction of that information because otherwise why do we why do we care about this why do we know about that and like that's always in my mind as we're um as we're watching these shows these movies um films (laughs) is film um like why are you telling me this and what like if something feels out of place, it probably has a reason. Also, do you know who did the screenplay for this? Um, yes, because I just watched it this morning. Um, it was David Mamet and Steve Zalian. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's incredible. I, I like wrote down Mamet. <laughs> yeah. I mean, oh, it's David such- Mamet screenplay? Yeah. Question mark. Wow. <laughs> It's such a, I've always thought that this was such a, a beautiful film, <laughs> mm-hmm. despite the, you know, despite the, uh, a lot of, you know, there's a lot of gore in here. Um, and it has like this sort of odd, peaceful, there's a quietness about this movie and almost like a peaceful, like a, a peacefulness about this movie, despite the subject right. matter, despite the gore and um i think it it really and it's so different than 
than Silence of the Lambs, just in terms of how it shot, you know, very different directors and, and all that kind of stuff. And very, you know, Clarice is at a different, uh, very different point, you know, in her story and in her career. And I am, you know, this doesn't necessarily relate to anything we were just talking to, but the one of the things that came to me about Clarice this time is just like, she has such an unrelenting personality. She, she is so unrelenting in how she, um, in how she navigates situations. And, you know, I kept thinking, you know, she, I don't know that she necessarily, I, I think she makes things more difficult for herself oh, in yeah. some ways, you know? Um, because she's a deep diver. Yep. She's a deep roller. <laughs> right, right, right. Deep roller. Yep, she's a deep roller. And, you know, I found myself getting frustrated. It was almost like, um, with, with some of the, the, in it, the, the fact that when she, after the raid that happens at the, at the beginning of the film that goes haywire and she's like basically getting blamed for it. It's not her fault. And uh, I remember getting frustrated the way that I get frustrated when you're, you're realizing that in a movie, people just aren't acknowledging or saying certain things. And if they would just freaking talk about X and it would be clear that this is what happened and why. Yes. And, you know, they act like they don't know or they're, they're you know, because they want to take, you know, they're already wanting to take her down. So, of course, they're not going to. They're not in a, they're not trying to help her, but just that, you know, just an obvious, obviously ignoring the facts of, of what happened. Um, and so you, you've got that, you've got like, you know, her own unrelenting personality and the way that she navigates, you know, I just love, I love it when it's like um, one of those first meetings where it's, it's, it's her and her boss and Krendler and Krendler. She and her boss are talking, and then Krendler says something, and she's like, I wasn't speaking to you, Mr. Krendler. If I'm speaking to you, you'll know it because I'll look at you. And I'm like, girl, you are not doing yourself any favors, you know, but I don't, yes. I don't think she cares. She, she just doesn't. She... Well, I think that part of that, like, okay, this is right around there, right around the beginning of the movie is where I start to get confused about how and when she does and does not play politics. Right. So interesting. At when she, um, in the very beginning, right. Just, just after the opening credits, they're about to go into this thing. Bolton, who's the police is like smart mouth girl, whatever. Um, you got a smart mouth lady. And then, um, by the way, Krenzler, Krenzler says that later uh, when he, when uh, his brain is open. Um, <laughs> uh, Terry Serpico as officer Bolton of the DC police, like she's sitting there with the Department of Justice, and she doesn't throw Bolton under the bus, even though he absolutely deserves it. And because she's the FBI, she is, she was the senior officer there. She needs to take responsibility for this. 
But then, so she's playing that politics of like the line of responsibility and not going to get this guy below me in trouble. But then she can't stand to uh, play the politics with Krendler that might get her out of this because it means she'd have to, you know, give up this other duty to a guy that's now dead. Or maybe that's it. Maybe you don't speak, speak ill of the doubt. Dead. Her father, you mean her father? No, 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 no. Bolton. Oh, right. I don't think Bolton, I don't think Bolton died. Um, Bolton was the DC cop. It was her friend that died. Um, oh. Yeah, I think I think her I think her friend that died because she said, you know, this raid was an ugly mess and you called me in to help on this. And now a good friend and a fellow officer is dead. And it was I can't remember his name, but he was with another federal agency. He was like maybe with like alcohol, firearms uh, mm-hmm. and tobacco or whatever. But um, yeah, but still, I mean, yeah, there's she she doesn't. There's, there's no, there's no one that she really calls out from the raid. She's more calling out, um, <clears throat> hey, you wanted my help with this. You know, you all, you know, these higher ups. Yeah, you put me on help, this. You know, and then this got screwed. And I mean, they would have, the, the higher ups, you know, put, put, put that, um, that DC cop, you know, douchebag in there you know they didn't yeah, they yeah. know what kind of character it was almost like it was a setup from the beginning but that's a big you know that's 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 a lot to do to set somebody up with a lot of a lot of lives at risk um, yeah yeah and you know what she says early on it's like <clears throat> you know you know you know when you sign up for this job you know you know what you're in for, you know, you know, you might take a bullet and you accept that, which don't, which you don't expect or accept is taking a bullet in the back of your boss's office for doing the job, just as they've, just as they've instructed you to do. Right. You know? Yeah. I'm uh, thinking about Verger and, uh lector now because as we learned in silence of the lambs lector met a bunch of his victims because they were his patients or knew of these people because they were his his patients and verger was his patient and um you know Benjamin Raspell was a, was a patient also. Yeah. Which one was he? He was the one who was in the symphony who at the beginning <laughs> of the later film Red Dragon, like he's this terrible flautist. Is that the right? Flutist? Well, they make a reference to him in this movie. They do. Yeah. 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 But go ahead. But yeah, go ahead. Where are you? Where are you? Uh, what are you thinking about that? Like, he's, well, farming his patient <laughs> well that's that's the, the thing is that the doctor patient uh relationship is supposed to be <laughs> detached and then you know Lecter just goes home with virgil and then tells him to you know tear his own face off and feed it to the dogs and 
like it it's interesting to me how uh, of course Clarice and Lecter are two sides of the same coin right the duty bound and the just I do what I want because it brings me pleasure right uh-uh. um and I think that's part of the reason that they're so I don't want to like not physically attracted to one another, but psychologically attracted to one another because Clarice has all of those, like she doesn't do anything unless she has a reason to do it. Like if it fits into her worldview, then she will do it. Um, Badge and gun be damned laws be damned. Right. Same thing for him, but it's like, if it fits, fits into my idea of pleasure everybody else be damned i'm gonna do it you know um and his and, very odd morality i'll hold you go ahead go ahead and then i'll come back well and what he does is he uses she uses her job to live out that life he also uses his various jobs to live out that life and like I think that the question that we're being posed here is which one is better or are they both equally bad? Yeah. Yeah. That is an interesting question because I think when, when I, I think about him, <laughs> you think about, about Lecter and it's like, he has like his own moral code. Um, mm-hmm. You know um, he, he prefers, he prefers to kill the rude whenever possible, <clears throat> free range rude. Yeah. Um, and then also, you know, part of why he does what he does to Berger is that Berger is like a, um, a pedophile. <clears throat> oh, right, because of the camp. Yeah. And he's like, we, we don't have to talk about that. And I thought that honestly had to do with um, his dad opening the camp oh man yeah the fact that he's basically like you know he's going to be the 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 judge and the jury there because he's done these really terrible things you know he's taken advantage of these kids you know um and just the but you know she's in in a way you know I don't want to say that she has an odd morality, but when you're, when you have, when every, I mean, she, she, there are many reasons why Clarice is who she is. And, you know, we learn those in Silence of the Lambs. But when you have, when you have all of those things that kind of point your life in um, the direction of the career that that she's chosen and how how she chooses to navigate her life and that career, you know, then everything becomes supercharged. Everything is about that governing principle, and there's that that's can be very problematic. It can be problematic for you. It can be problematic for people in your life. You know. Um, yeah. 
And it's very likely to be problematic, not just it can be, right? It, it, it will it be. Yeah. Um, because amongst other things, what do you, like, like this movie talks about is what do you do when that job lets you down? Yeah. Yeah. The FBI was supposed to be the pinnacle and under um, her former boss, I don't even remember his name. Mr. Uh, Agent Pearsall? No, in Silence of the Lambs. Oh, Jack Crawford. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Under him, it was. It was like, okay, yes, we are, we're the good guys fighting the bad guys. And at, the more she's been there and the longer she's been there, the more that she sees that this doesn't fit her worldview. These aren't the, these aren't the good guys. They're just, you know, dudes in power. And I mean, it makes me think like what happens after this? Like, after, because, like after the end of the movie, like, does she go back into the FBI? Does she, well, yeah. you know what happens in the novel? Mm-mm. Um, very different ending. Um, the, really? the implication is that she basically goes and lives a life with Lecter. Oh. Um, there is this, there, the thing that's unclear to me, uh, because I haven't read the novel in so long is, um, whether he was um, basically drugging her, um, drugging her to some degree to keep her under his control. I, I was never clear from the novel how much uh, she freely chose that. And they never say, they don't say it directly, but they talk about a female companion that you would see Lecter with, and the implication is that it's it's her. It's definitely her. Um, so, would she have chosen? Would would she would she have chosen that, or did he was did did he did he get control of her by like just constantly drugging her somehow? Because in the movie, there's that you know. Right. In the movie, there's the drugging. But it's it's under the guise of he is like she's hurt, you know, hurt that angry uh bullet wound. Uh and he has taken the bullet out of her. He saved her from the pigs, right? Um and she's still at least in um fighting off an infection. And so the idea that they're <coughs> Um, bless you, uh, that she is still there because he's trying to help her. That's interesting. I, it's been so long since I read this book. I do remember though, and it's funny how these things get into your head. I do remember the like pigs but I didn't really remember most of the rest of the storyline, honestly. Um, and there's so many other 
aspects of the story that feed into this, like the power structures that you find yourself inside of, the degree to which you <clears throat> participate in them willingly or not, the, the thousands of ways that we give our consent to things that don't necessarily <laughs> serve us and that right. we may not even be aware that we're that we're doing I, I I thought about quid quid pro quo in in a very different way like how much how much of 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 what we do when we're walking through our 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 personal and our public life, our, our personal and our work lives is like a series, it's just like an ongoing process of quid pro quo. Um, and, you know, these, yeah. these ideas of these, these power structures, like, oh my gosh, you want to talk about like a longstanding power structure, the, the cop, um, <clears throat> Potsy or Potsy, yeah, Potsy. And how Lecter, you know, his ancestor killed one of the Medici and Lecter <laughs> says, you know, I would think that, you know, even 500 years later, that that would make it very uncomfortable to live in Florence with the name Pazzi, you know, and you just, guy, you think about the, the enormity of that, like, because you get the sense that that's very much true, because Lecter's like, you know, people don't, people don't often say what they're thinking, but they, they just, they just ensure that you don't advance in life. Right, um, right. And that's kind of what is going on with Clarice as well. It's like, they're, they want to make sure, they, they want to keep her from advancing. And, um, oh my gosh, it's so interesting how they set up the, the characters between Potsy and his wife and his work buddies, right? Yeah. Because it's pretty obvious that um, Potsy is, um, like, he doesn't have a, he's kind of like that hangdog you know, just so happy to have this young, gorgeous wife and his, the, his buddies at work are like, uh, he says, I need uh, opera tickets. And they're like, yeah, that, you know, that hot wife of his is asking for opera tickets. And like, they set him up as like, <laughs> they set her up, honestly, as this huge romantic, like, beautiful character like the sunlight glowing through the windows in the background as she you know is I don't even know what the Getting scenes were strappy sandals you know yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um I thought it was shaving her legs but it's basically the same thing like you know caressing her own calf and yeah. <laughs> like, um but we see what we do see there is his wife through Potsy's eyes, Potsy's wife through his, his own eyes. And like, oh my God, this beautiful creature, I, I have to do anything to keep her around. And so that kind of sets up his motivations to, you know, not go through the proper channels because he doesn't get shit for going He's through the proper doing it channels. For the money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
and the whole thing about like you know that's so brilliant that scene about you know Lecter I mean God, it goes without saying he's such a mastermind I mean he knows right. he knows that Potsy is going to be at that lecture and that lecture is all about avarice yeah. and these historical I mean my god with his own with his own uh there's a picture, the slide that he didn't show, which was how his own ancestor dies and yes. like hung with the uh, intestines out. And it's so funny, you know, Lecter's so coy, like, oh dear, I should have shown this picture. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, yeah. But if you didn't love Lecter in the previous movie, because you can't really love him. You can't love him in Silence of the Lambs. You can no. kind of cheer for him, but not with buttons, still not loving him. Right. In this one, though, it's so much fun to see him succeed against Potsy. It's so much fun to see him succeed against Virgil. And specifically when he says, like, he's holding Clarice. The pigs are not interested in him and Clarice. They're like going after poor Carlos and his uh, buddy. Um, And Carlo, not Carlos. Um, And Cordell, Virgil's yelling at Cordell at the, in the loft, the hay loft. And like, get down there, you know? Yeah. And what are you doing? Um, And Lecter just says, Push him in. You can blame it on me. Say I did it. And Cordell's like, good call. (laughs) (laughs) And he doesn't even do it. He just sets the chair to dump him in. Exactly. And the chair. (laughs) Yeah. And I guess he locks it where, you know, Berger can't, he doesn't have any control anymore over the little, you know, the little joystick or whatever, you know, but I, I, like for some reason that when he said that, when Lecter was like, "You can always say it was me," I laughed out loud. Like, yes, <laughs> yes. I laughed out loud. Well, because we see how Verger like sort of needles Cordell. Like, oh my God, he's so he's so. Um, you don't have to be him. here. Why don't you go? check on my lunch about my lunch he just degrades him in front of everybody you know i mean of course like you know he's not innocent either um but yeah he but you know now i here's a point where i i disagree with you i was i was not cheering um i really liked inspector potsy because you could, to me, he, I mean, obviously he's a deeply flawed man, but I did find a lot of aspects of his character sympathetic. Um, and he, he, he did have, boy, talk about like Clarice has the, um, the bird, the, just the weight of, of, of her family, but seriously, when when people still don't want you to do well because one of your family members killed a Medici fight half of a 
half of a millennia ago. I mean, that's <laughs> some heavy shit, you know? Yeah, yeah. I thought that he had good quality. I did think he had some good qualities. But then, then even as I'm saying that, I remember, you know, how he how he roped that one criminal into getting yeah, the pickpocket yeah that pickpocket into getting Lecter's fingerprints and just you know I mean that guy was collateral that guy was collateral damage right um, yeah that one I really did, bothered me that did, but yeah yeah and I think I don't think that he um was without remorse but he was also going to do whatever he needed to do to, to get that money, to get that money. Um, and maybe, you know, maybe a part of it would, I mean, he would have been redeeming maybe something to redeem his name. Oh, you helped, you helped apprehend, you know, like you helped catch Lecter. Um, right. Yeah. Well, but the, the issue there is that $3 million was coming from Verger. Right. <laughs> right. And for the means of personal revenge. Yeah. Right. Right. And um, what was, I, I think there was like a, a $500,000 uh, reward if you went to the FBI. So like, Oh yeah. Or $150,000 or something like something, that. Yeah. yeah. And Oh, here we, you know, we could totally get into the uh, a commentary on the uh, uh, the role of all that dirty private money in our institutions. Mm -hmm. You know. Oh God. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. On the other hand, what about Barney? He's so sympathetic. And so is Karen Flocks, the woman that helped him fill out the application, whatever. Like, is it because he hands over Clarice's set of tapes to her that we find her so sympathetic or just that he's always just been a nice guy? Because he does the same thing, right? It, I think we can assume that he's selling Lecter memorabilia Oh, I mean, we can do more than assume because he's at the very beginning of the movie. Oh, know? right, right. <laughs> yeah, he he brings the mask and is like, uh, yeah, that'll be $250,000, please. You know, <laughs> and, um, but yeah, I mean, no, everybody is, um, ev everybody's complicated in this. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, you know, uh, an orderly, in a, a state-run uh, hospital or asylum mm -hmm. for the criminally insane, ain't taking home a lot of money. <laughs> no. You know? And then, of course, obviously, this is ten years later, so it looks like he's still in some kind of, you know, like he's a tech or I don't, and I don't remember from the novel. Like I don't know, did he become a nurse or something? You know, or. Um, but yeah, he's still in some sort of either caregiving or, a, or a, a ten, attendant role, you know, like he's wearing his scrubs. I mean, he's, I don't know. Yeah. Just one, you know, what's his financial situation, but if he had the opportunity to, I don't know, like to me, I'm like, mm, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. <laughs> 
that he did that, that he said, but, but when he's selling to Berger though, that's the problem. Huh? That's, that's the problem. Do you think he knows? It's Berger for crying out loud. He's got to know there's a game. I mean, there's, there's an end game. Right, right. <clears throat> but I, I love, okay. That mask the mask right that he sells to verger and verger verger's kind of like when he's wearing that mask he's kind of in the same position right he can't use his arms and legs he's basically strapped into a wheelchair and like there's a part of me that's like is he trying to role play as Lecter? Is that why he has the mask? I know the, the point of it is to hope to use it on him again when he manages to capture him, but also like, I guess let, let's put on the mask and see what it feels like to be a uh, Lecter. And that, um, I don't know, that was, really interesting to me about Virgil's character in that he for all the money and wealth and power he he's he seems like a little boy you know he never he never grew up past the uh, little boy playing with toys sort of stage. Yeah, he's definitely uh, emotionally and morally underdeveloped. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, I just have I don't know I don't know where we are kind of in the in the uh, in our arc here. I just have a like a couple more things. Yeah, go for it. Um, and we did, we touched on earlier about like um, what Hannibal Lecter said. Well, I don't know why I said his full name like that. Um, Dr. What Dr. Hannibal Lecter MD said about, um, about Clarice and that, you know, um, likening, likening her to like these roller pigeons and that there's shallow, ro shallow rollers and deep rollers. And if you, if, if you if you basically have um, two generations of deep rollers, then you know that uh, that person's gonna 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 bite it, <laughs> you know. Yeah. As they can't they can't pull the 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 pigeon flies all all the way to the ground and, and kills itself, mm -hmm. um, and you can't they can't stop. It's their nature. You know, they cannot, they cannot stop. And everybody in this movie, like, can't stop. Like everybody, everybody, every track that everybody is on, they are on that track and they are going to keep writing it um, because for them there, for them, there is no other choice, even Berger. There is no, I mean, good Lord, that the, the length of time that he plans his revenge and how elaborate it is. Remember, we're going to specially train 
these uh, pigs to eat you slowly <laughs> while you're still alive. Oh, and and to go into a free feeding frenzy at the sound of screaming. Like yes. that's fucked up thing. Ooh, that's the screaming, like the screaming of the lambs. It's the screaming, the screaming of pigs. But so this whole idea of can you stop? Can you stop? Um, a path that you are on and that goes back to the original question of like why doesn't she just get the hell out of that FBI darn it <laughs> you know which I think we could explore that but even Lecter you know he he says to her at the end would you ever say to me stop if you loved me you would stop so he's 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 saying to her like, it's like he, he would want her to say to him, don't do, don't do this thing that you do anymore. Stop this. And she says, not in a thousand years. And he says, that's my girl. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's my girl. But just the idea that he, he's really the only character in this film that says, hey, what if we made some different choices? <laughs> like, yeah. what, what if we decided to do something different? And she's like, nope. <laughs> yep. I came halfway around the world to watch you run. Now yeah. let me run. Yeah. And I'm, I'm assuming that like literally meant that he was the person that was behind her on the, um, on the pathway that she was running on the, yeah. the trail. Yeah. Um, but also like, I, I guess that's the line that you just said um, that I was referring to it in the beginning, where would you tell me to stop? And she says not in a thousand years. And then he knows, okay, like I could cut off her hand right now and she would be happy because she said no. And then he decides to cut off his own hand. Um. And there's that great, and I, I, I have to tell everybody, all seven people who are listening, that uh, <laughs> I, I asked, I asked Tamara if she would read like his really great speech okay. about yeah, the yeah, yeah. about the FBI uh, toward the end because I'm like, man, I get choked up. I can't read it like I cannot read what he says because it's just it speaks so much about about who Clarice is. Could I do it in my Hannibal Lecter voice? If you like. <laughs> if you I don't like. think I have. <laughs> uh, okay so the quote is would they have you back you think the FBI these people you despise almost as much as they despise you. Would they give you a medal, Clarice, do you think? Would you have it professionally framed and hang it on your wall to look at and remind you of your courage and incorruptibility? All you would need for that, Clarice, is a mirror. Oh, didn't that just kill you? You know, I thought, okay, so I, I was watching this and then I went to read uh, an, a book 
that I'm currently in the middle of last night. And those characters were the two main characters in that book. We're talking about how they are one another's mirror. So I thought that I had made up the idea of Clarice and Lecter as mirrors, but it does kind of make sense if in the book she runs away with him because she like all you, all you would need for that is a mirror. He's her mirror. He is the one that shows her who she is. And same for him. He, she is the one that shows him who he wants to be. He wants to live this life of duty. She wants to probably live a little bit freer and do whatever the hell she wants yeah, every once in a while. Have more fun out of life, as he recommends in Silence <laughs> yeah. of the Lambs, which I wholeheartedly agree. She does say right. to have more fun out of life. But I, I kind of draw the line at, Eating brain, Agreed. eating human brain. Yeah, totally agree. Yeah, especially when you've, uh, of course, you know, responsible hunters, they uh, they don't let anything go to waste. He doesn't just kill for sport. <laughs> Gross. But he was chopping up so much parsley like how much <laughs> parsley does one man need like the brain is only so big are you going to like parsley crust every piece obviously he didn't because we saw in his um in his airplane lunch <laughs> well there was the potential that it could have been a much longer multi-course meal Oh, yeah. um, but I guess he had to know that, you know, yeah, this, this one's probably going to get cut short, no pun intended. <laughs> uh, but, you know, where I landed, because like a couple of months ago, I was so very strongly like, I'm almost like mad at Clarice that she doesn't like get the hell out of there. Like I'm almost, I'm almost, I'm, I'm mad. Like I can't, I can't, I can't sign on to this, you know. <laughs> Right. Uh, anymore like I my feelings have about about you know have changed about 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 her but in the interim that is a pretty probably a pretty pretty extreme view um I think you know part of it is just like I just don't want to see her uh suffering anymore what I felt like was not unnecessarily um but then in the interim you know uh, I've had the chance to think about, and, and, and part of this was because of a friend of mine, there are people who live, who live lives of service. Um, I, I, I don't, you know, not, not like that. I mean, not anywhere near that. I mean, I, I, I have a job that gives me as much as what I give. And uh, there's not there's not really a lot of suffering involved, and I'm not in a specific, specifically in a service, in a service right. role. I'm not a nurse. I'm not a cop. I'm not a doctor. I'm not, you know, I'm not in government service. I'm I, and I'm not in those roles because I'm just I don't I don't have like I don't have the constitution for it. It's not that I don't care, but I just I don't. I just don't, I just don't have the temperament for it, you know, so I just, it really did dawn on me, it's just like, she, 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 people who dedicate themselves to service, it's, it's a very different choice, and you, you, 
you put up with a hell of a lot more because you're really, you're doing it for other people. Right. Right. Um, you know, I left teaching because it felt like service without reward. And of course there was a lot of reward, emotional reward that I got from students succeeding and doing, um, and growing up to be really, um, amazing adults. And that is incredible. Now at the time it was very difficult because, um, I was also just not filling my own bucket. And that's, this is where I see Clarice as, like this is the danger, this is the warning that Clarice embodies, which is that if your job is your life and your entire identity and everything revolves around it, when it's gone, you don't have anything else. Yep, yep. That's a real tough place to be in. And like, again, you know, the, the sort of mirror lector doesn't do anything like all of his jobs are a means to an end. None of them are like, I, he's not a doctor because he loved being a doctor. He wasn't a psychologist because he loved be like helping people get better. They were all just learning the skills or providing him the means to do his extracurriculars. <laughs> yeah. I don't think he was like, you know, I just want to help people. Yeah. I just want to help. I want to help them out of their lives. Uh, and uh out of my field of irritation (laughs) oh my goodness yeah there's just this this is just a fantastic movie so so gosh I, i probably thought about um all of these relationships And even through the course of this you know because you and i will focus on different things just Mm -hmm. there's just so much more that came out this time and i really it just makes me appreciate this this film even more which I always did. I mean, it's one of my favorites, but it, it's truly a great movie, I think. Good old Ridley Scott. Nice job, Ridley. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah, I think that part of why it's so interesting and, you know, we could talk about it for over an hour is um, how many layers they put on this. How many layers of, so like, there's Clarice and Lecter and Verger and um, uh, Krenler and then Potsy. And then we get all of the like uh, the ancillary, like Judas and the um, previous Potsy. So like historical figures. And, you know, it's difficult in a... It's, this was like just a little two hour movie, two hours and 11 minutes, I think. It's difficult to open up all of those characters, make them all feel real 
and also tie them up and feel satisfied at the end. It, this one works really quickly. Um, I think maybe my, the last little thought that I have is, and we don't even have to go into this. Clarice is the only like woman character. She's only, she's the only woman, like even in the silence of the lambs, they were like, look, she has female friends in the uh, woman friends at the FBI. There's at least two. Right. And this time, the only other woman that's around is Potsy's wife. Very interesting call out. And then the only other, you know, everything else about, about gender, it's very like, I mean, it, it continues from Silence of the Lambs, just very sex, you know, a lot of sexism, misogyny, even Lecter says You got about, a smart mouth. Yeah, you got a smart mouth lady, you know, and a corn pone country pussy. You know? Gross. <laughs> Jeez, you know, but, but she's, she's, remember that part where it's like, uh, she's still like doing her research in the basement. She gets this letter. It's like, oh, great. I just got a letter from the Guinness Book of World Records saying that I'm I'm the female FBI agent that's killed the most people. <laughs> like, great. Fantastic. Cool. <clears throat> Happy about this? Yeah, yeah. great. Um, yeah, I think that uh, it's a whole different thing, but um, the idea that Clarice as not just an FBI agent, but a woman in this situation brings a lot more weight to it for me. Um, But there's also, there's part of me that's like, why are we being jerked around with the, like, why is her gender a even a conversation. And I I think for me right now, like the reason that her gender is a conversation is because it's in such stark contrast. And I think that without maybe the place where this one, this doesn't get into nuance is like, as the only fleshed out female character she then becomes what all women are in this universe. And then to me, that's like, oh, well, it's because she's a woman that she's so duty bound, or it's because she's a woman that she is, um, you know, going to fight this hard uh, to overcome her stuff. And that, that to me feels a little cheap. And so if I have one complaint, it's that, where the, where the hell are all the other women? And Potsy's wife doesn't count because I don't even think she, does she have a name? Allegra? Oh, Allegra. Uh-huh. Allegra. Yeah. Yeah. Allegra mean fast? I just keep thinking of that. Isn't there like an allergy medicine or something that's called Allegra? That's what I keep thinking. <laughs> so, all right. 
Well, we've come to the end of another exciting episode. Are we? <laughs> we could yes, we be. Have. We could be. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna talk. Allegra means happy and lively, in happy Italian. Happy and lively. Like it. Like yeah. It. Um, yes. So if you were to, do you have a prescription on this for, we are not doctors, um, again. <laughs> we are not <laughs> professionals. Yeah. Um, well, it would have been, you know, when we did Silence of the Lambs, it was like, just, just leave the FBI already. Um, I think it's it's the well, it's like what you said, you know, your your it's just it's all all the, the dangers of your work being your identity, you know. Watch out for that, people. Yeah. I I it's um at the expense of um totally um reductive Buddhism here, but like finding the middle path. Yeah. You don't have to be Lecter and you don't have to be Clarice. If you are Lecter, like, let's hope you've got Verger's money to bankroll it. Um, yeah. But you also don't have to be Clarice. You have to find somewhere in the middle, a middle path. Yeah. Um, I like it. I like oh. it. All right. My okay. It was enjoyable as always and i hope that everyone out there enjoyed the episode as well and the kind of departure that we took from our normal format yeah uh send us your letters dear final girl at gmail.com or uh dm us on twitter at final dear yep. and send us your letters send us your origin stories we want to uh we want to hear from you um, you sure do. Thanks so much. All right. Bye, everybody. Bye. I was rushing at the end because I have to really pee. Okay. Ah, is okay. there, is there anything? Let's, and I, I really, I got to go. Like, I got to eat something. But, okay, okay. I Do I just hit stop record? Just hit the stop record button? Hey, final girls, final boys, and final non-binaries. Tamara and I are honored to be your dear Abbies of horror, but that's all we are. People struggling just like you. We're not professionals. If you're in crisis, please reach out. We like to pr promote the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at suicidepreventionlifeline.org, phone number 1-800-273-8255. There's an online chat, and they're even on Twitter. Their profile is The Lifeline, and the handle is at 800-273-TALK. The Lifeline isn't just for life-threatening situations. It's free and confidential support for anyone who needs it at any time for any reason. Just know you're not alone. Tam and I wouldn't be doing this podcast if we hadn't been there, too. Take care.